0: x y and z are connected it might be love or a pyramid scheme written and read by Fresny rating is teen audiences and up category gen fandom life relationship Charlie Cruz Danny Reese and Roman Nevikov written for Yuletide 2009 summary three points on a triangle each have their own point of view (laughs) read in a book from the prison library that, according to a theory by Napoleon Bonaparte, if you draw three equal triangles on the legs of any triangle and you connect at the centers of those triangles, you get another equal triangle. At the time, he'd wondered if having triangles on its leg would be heavy. If the first triangle had to swim anywhere, they'd probably all drown. Charlie Cruz. The car light flickered as the door opened and closed. Rayborn settled into the leather of the back seat. Charlie couldn't have said if the leather was soft. The Buddha said it was better to travel well than to arrive, and it was certainly possible to travel well in this car. Rayborn said, Take me home, Finn. He looked at the front of the car. Rayborn sighed, You're not Finn. He leaned back into the possibly soft leather. He's in the trunk, isn't he? It was not a question. Both hands pounded against the trunk in a not answer, but it was a good car and a good trunk. Rayburn shook his head. Why won't you call me at my office?" Charlie smiled at the rearview mirror. But then I wouldn't be making the world with my thoughts. I thought of you and what you said about Roman, and here you are. It is my car, Rayburn laughed. (laughs) My driver you've thrown in my trunk. I also handcuffed your security to a chain-link fence in Oxnard. It was important to be truthful, to be full of truth. Also he contained other things, too, that the truth covered with a lid. "'like a box that held the lid down. "'So, Detective, what is it that you've gone to all this trouble to ask of me?' Rayburn leaned back in his possibly soft seat and smiled. Rayburn had lost weight. "'It was in his face, or not in his face. "'Definitely not in his face and body. "'Eaten from the inside. "'Charlie had been eaten from the inside once, "'which was why there was room to fill himself with truth. "'He changed lanes and cloverleaf to the 110.' "'As I was creating you with my mind, I thought, "'It doesn't make sense that you're helping me. "'If Roman kills you now, then you won't have six months to live. "'You'd be dead now. "'So I asked myself, "'Why would you want to feed me Roman? "'And then I thought, "'This would work much better if I asked you, and not me.' "'Rayburn looked straight ahead into the mirror "'and smiled all the way across his face, "'although Charlie couldn't have been sure about the eyes. "'His eyes might have twinkled if there had been light.' but the back of the car was dark. It was hard to twinkle when there was no light. Rayburn said, "'Terrible is the temptation to be good.' Charlie said, "'Is it terrible?' "'The temptation to be good. I want to be good. To do good actions. There's weight in actions. Our karma is formed by that weight, like gravity. Maybe you have a gravity. I think we all have a gravity. I wonder how heavier you are, and what weighs you down.' "'What did I tell you about words, Detective?' They won't pull you into the light. The passing city lights flashed across the dark. Anyway, it's a line from a play, the Caucasian Chalk Circle. Like our Russian friend. You'd like it. It's about a fruit farm and other things. Rayburn shrugged. I'll have someone send you tickets. You should take your partner. She always liked the theater. She played a strawberry in a school play when she was eight. Jack still has the picture. I'm not here to talk about Reese or her father who, come to think of it, is also a Reese. Charlie got into the carpooling, because they were a carpool. Although this wasn't a pool for cars, this was a freeway. Except where you paid. Maybe you should invite Roman. We could all go to the play together. I've been to prison, he's been to prison, you're dying, we're all dying. We could all go out for blended coffee drinks after. This non-pool for cars carried them into a separate cement channel over the rest of the freeway. The lights of the sprawl twinkled flatly through the smog night. Perhaps Rayburn twinkled flatly. Roman and I don't have a play sort of a relationship. And what kind of relationship do you have? Charlie sped up down their cement channel. Rayburn looked straight ahead. Like I said, he was an investment. I was a cop, and you were a cop. And now I want to help you. By sending you tickets to a play. You should really get out more. Enjoy yourself. Life's too short. Rayburn asked, is that all? Although it wasn't really a question. Because they both knew it wasn't all. Charlie took Rayburn home, anyway. A teacher once told her a joke about two squaws on deer hides being equal to the squaw on the hippopotamus hide. After she'd slashed three, but not four, of his tires, she wondered what that equaled. Danny Reese. Danny handed Cruz a white paper cup of coffee with one cream, two sugars, and a squirt of some fruity red crap. She'd considered getting him an ironic fruit roll-up, but he might have eaten it. Cruz warmed his hands against the morning with a cup she'd given him with his typical wide-eyed, half-glass-empty, now-I-got-a-ramble look. "'Do you think it looks like a sugared strawberry?' "'I think it looks like a sugared strawberry. "'Although I've always wondered, why would you sugar a strawberry? "'They're sweet without the sugar.' Did you like strawberries when you were a kid? Once, I brought strawberries from a roadside stand, but I wouldn't eat them. I bet they were good. Big, juicy strawberries. I could go for a big, juicy strawberry right now. Did you really play a strawberry in a play when you were a kid? Not that I mean, yeah. I really really think that it looks like a sugared strawberry. This was why she wore sunglasses. So no one could see the the what-the-fuck look in her eyes. Apparently it came across in every other part of her, because Cruz was smiling at her more, while his eyes did the half-full flicker thing. She did not want to know what he was thinking. If he saw her father in her, he'd seen her father, if he'd lied when she'd asked about what she'd asked. But this thinking got nothing done. The ride went all the way down to the bottom, and she'd already taken this ride. Danny scowled down at the vic, who, aside from being dead, had no apparent injuries. Short blonde hair and perfect sausage curls, the sort of thing that took hours, perfect pancake makeup, not even a smudge. She'd laid down in a sort of pleated black evening dress on a deck chair by the black-and-white marble pool at the Annenberg Community Beach House. It was like something out of an old movie, something noir. Danny swallowed more coffee, let the scalding liquid battle it out with the vodka of the night before as she crouched down. She could still feel the after-effects of the night before, fighting morning gridlock on the PCH getting here, but now it was all beach sunshine and stupid palm trees. If she said something, Cruz would start going on about how only now was now, and and right now she had a hangover that exercise couldn't cure. She said, "'No, I don't think it looks like a sugared strawberry.' She examined the wet, not-at-all-sugared-strawberry heart in the Vic's hands. Not her heart. That would make sense." But no, the Vick's heart was still in the Vick's evening dress. Someone else's heart. Oh, yeah. Then he touched the Vick's wrist gently. Her wrists were tied together with clear ties. She looked up, and she was talking to no one. Forensic, who snapped a picture, smirked at her. She did not shoot forensics. She stood up and looked for her partner. Cruz had wandered away to examine a giant sand castle because he had the attention span of a six-year-old, and she was not his mother. She walked over to the castle. She was just stretching her legs, five-foot-tall sandcastle that the Koshin was just going to knock over, and she was not going to say anything, because this was probably zen, and she did not care. Cruz stared at the castle. She stared at the castle. It was a sandcastle. She asked because she wanted to know. "'What do you see, Cruz?' He pulled out his non-regulation knife out of his overpriced suit pocket, flicked it open with his thumb, and pointed. "'Strawberries.' He tilted his head to the right and then left. This is some beautiful workmanship. Real pride in this castle. Halfway down the castle, she saw it then. There was a spot of pink sand. A tiny spot. They stood there and looked at it. He said, This castle took a lot of time to build. A lot of love. Danny looked out at the ocean. The seaweed lines were dry and swarming with flies. Tide was coming in. A long time to build. He cut into the middle of the top tower. A sand arch crumbled and a pale hand tumbled out. Cruz looked back at her. Looks like we found the heart donor. Well, looks like she sipped her coffee and welcomed its burn on the roof of her mouth. Some mornings, she got up and she was scaling, and nothing approaching rational. She liked it that way. Danny Reese. Rayborn was an asshole. He'd been an asshole when he'd caught her sneaking peppermint schnapps when she was a kid, He'd been an asshole all those horrible Wednesday night dinners growing up, smiling at Mom and asking about her plans for Christmas or Easter or Eid. He'd ask and then he would leaned back smiling while the verbal bombshells went off and shrapnel wounds shredded the room. He'd been with her father in SWAT and knew how to aim. He was an asshole then, and he was an asshole now. She folded her arms against his eyes and said, You look like crap. The word was a whip crack, a back off, because she'd called him. She'd invited herself to his expensive boat in the harbor, and in that moment she was glad that Cruz didn't own a boat, or she might just have to shoot him herself. <sighs> Except she was here about Cruz. And not about Cruz. She had a question that she didn't want to ask, that she'd already asked. Gotten lies for truth. Rayborn sat down on the deck chair, racked an impressive series of coughs. <laughs> yeah, kiddo. Look what I've got. Looks like I'm gonna have to take a miss on your mom's Toskabob. He pulled a champagne bottle out of its bucket and removed the cage from around the cork in a quick, neat motions. He smiled at her over the top and clamped this metal vice thing around the cork. Twisted, the champagne bottle opened with a soft pop and an exhaled frost. He smiled at her. He hadn't been to her parents' house in years, long before she'd stopped going for the weekly torture. But still, he smiled at her like they were best friends, such good friends. Such good friends that he poured her a glass of champagne from that damn bottle on his damn table and held it out to her like he expected her to take it. It was in his eyes that he knew. Because, of course, he'd heard. Like she gave a crap about what he knew about her. Not that it was anyone's business but hers. He held out the glass and said, "'It's Cristal.' Price has gone up since those rappers started drinking it like water. But what the hell? It's not like I can take it with me.' He looked at her like this was a club. Like there was a secret that they shared, like her parents were in the next room and he'd slip her a shot of booze if she wanted, if she asked. All she had to do was ask. She took the glass and held it in her hand like a fist, like she was going to shove it through his skull, which she kind of wanted to do. She slammed it back and felt a certain pride that however good or bad it was, the taste was wasted on her. She felt the familiar courage take hold of her, not from the alcohol, which was hardly enough to give her a buzz. She sat the glass down on the table, just hard enough to chip. She gave him a thin smile back to slice through his. "'So what did you want to see me about?' He leaned back in his chair and smiled like some old uncle. He was not her uncle. They were not friends. She wished she had another glass then, or a fifth of vodka, thick and slightly slow from living its half-life in the freezer, but she didn't, and she'd invited herself here. He spun his own glass between his fingers and watched her over the top. "'You want to know if I've seen your father?' "'Or—' Is there something else that you're here to know? Her question hovered in her mouth. She didn't ask it. She glared at him. She turned away from him and glared at the clean harbor where no one was sitting in their own vomit waiting for the next fix. At least not on deck. Below deck, they were all powerless. In that moment, she decided she was not going to give Rayborn her question. But when he said, Have a seat, kiddo. Have another glass. She sat down and let him give her more champagne punishment. This wasn't the first time she'd come with questions that she didn't ask. It wouldn't be the last. At least until he was dead. She raised her glass to him then and smiled. Drank it all down. He'd have preferred to be the ninety in a thirty-sixty-ninety. Roman Nevikov. Reborn had brought Roman to his rooftop home with its view of the Lost Angel City. He never stood with Roman in the thick brown sunlight while Rayborn's yellow dog swam in a blue rooftop pool. Never met with Roman on his white boat that he took out on the green water with his beautiful women. This was fine. This was good. Roman preferred it inside. He'd always preferred it inside, even when he was a boy. It had always been this way. Everyone knew this. Rayborn coughed as if he were dying, which Roman did not believe. Roman would not believe in Rayburn's death unless his body was spread out on a table, unless his ribcage was spread wide into wings to expose his dead meat heart unless he put his gun in Raybon's mouth and squeezed. Although it might not be Raybon's mouth. It might not be Raybon's gun. Roman looked at a painting of a black scorpion riding a red fox across a blue-black river. The images were vague shapes, but Roman knew it was a scorpion. He knew it was a fox. The fox had the same color as Detective New Money. Roman looked at the painting. He thought of guns and mouths, and he said, It is a long time since you invited me here. Raybon had not invited Roman. He offered, and Roman took. There was a difference. Rayburn smiled and did not tell Roman that that he should smile more. Roman always smiled. He was always very happy. Ever since he was a boy, everyone was always nice to him, and he always smiled. Rayburn coughed. Roman said, Our construction investment, it is almost done. The word "hour" was round in his mouth. He wanted to roll it like a cigarette. He wanted to smoke it so the fumes could rise up. He wanted Rayburn to cough with it. Roman looked down at the painting. Rayburn thought to himself that inside was better. He held our in his mouth and thought that inside had a large screen TV and a comfortable couch. They were not sitting on the couch. Roman smiled at Rayburn and waited for him to offer him one of the sandwiches on the silver tray. They were made with white bread, with the crusts cut off. They were cut in triangles. Rayburn did not offer Roman a sandwich. This was fine. This was good. Roman did not want a sandwich. They were small sandwiches. He preferred sandwiches with crusts and real bread— Had since he was a boy. It had always been this way. Everyone knew this. Once, Rayburn offered him a black scorpion to eat. He'd fried it with his own hands. He gave it to Roman on a white plate. Roman had eaten it. He'd eaten all of it. Rayburn did not give Roman a scorpion now. Instead, he said, Jack Reese's daughter came to see me the other day. She's certainly grown up. Not that I'd call her hot. Not Jack Reese's daughter. He looked at Roman out of the side of his eyes, and he smiled. Roman said... "'Detective Junkie, she came to see me, too.' Roman's fingers did not make a move to take a sandwich. His lips did not stop smiling. "'Sure she did,' said Rebon, with his sideways eyes. "'Do you like the painting?' "'It's the fox and the Spartan boy.' Roman did not say that he saw a scorpion, because he had not. The blue was clearly the boy's pants. The black, his shirt, as he held the red fox. He did not ask who Spartan boy was. This was the purpose of the Internet. That and the pornography.' No, the painting is new money. I prefer something with women. Maybe they kiss. He slid his gaze to see what Rayborn had to say to that. All he got for his trouble was, Sure they do. Reborn walked to the carpeted stairs. Rayborn climbed away from him. He did not look back. He did not tell him to leave. He did not tell Roman to stay. He did not invite him upstairs. Rayborn never invited Roman. Roman looked down at the silver tray of sandwiches that he did not want. He reached out to take one. He consumed them all. They had no flavor. They were the texture of cardboard. But still he ate, and he smiled as he chewed. Then he left out the door into the garage full of cars that Reborn did not drive. It wasn't that he thought he was an acute in an obtuse world. It was that he treasured thinking that he held all the angles. Angels, too. They fell out of windows when you threw them hard enough. Roman Nevakov. Detective Junkie came to see him first. She sent a very pleasant officer with a mother who lived in Pasadena to get him from the cell where they put him in. The officer very carefully handcuffed him to the table, but that was normal. People were always careful about Roman's well-being. It had always been that way, ever since he was a small boy. Roman sat in the room for a very long time by himself. He thought about pleasing things that made him happy until Detective Junkie became bored. She smelled like cheap coffee and old sweat. He smiled very brightly at her. "'I do not think I can hire you looking like that. Bad for business.' There were gray smudges under her eyes. Her clothes had been worn for more than one day. And not because of no-name sex. "'I'm not looking for a job, Roman.' She stood up. She paced like a caged animal, a dog running around and around in a pit. He sat very still and watched her. It was very amusing, so he laughed. "'Where is your partner? I hoped you would come to see me together. Maybe he's off looking into things that he does not tell you about. Is it because he doesn't trust you?' Do you think he does not trust you because you are a junkie or because your father framed him for murder? He spread his fingers out on the table. Detective Junkie leaned across the table. This time your FBI connections won't help you. You screwed up, Roman. We've got you dead to rights. But you weren't in this alone. This was not why he was here. She had other questions and the coiled tension in her shoulders, one slightly higher than the other. He smiled some more. It is a shame when partners cannot trust each other. Maybe you should have sex with him. "'Then he would trust you like a captain trusts you. "'Shut your mouth!' "'She wanted to hit him. "'She wanted to reach across the table and pull out his heart. "'She did not. "'She paced and she tucked some, until she left. "'He sat at the table until another nice officer with a sister "'who lived in Pomona with her husband and two children "'came to take him to his cell. "'He decided he wanted both bunks. "'His cellmate gave him both, which was very friendly of him. "'But then people were always friendly with Roman. "'Detective Numani came to see him last.' He sent his old partner to get him from his cell. Officer Boring did not seem to want to talk about how he had betrayed Detective New Money. He cuffed Roman roughly to the same table. Roman played with the chain that connected his hands to the table. It made a sound. He had liked the sound when he was a boy. He said to Detective New Money, ''I have met very many pleasant people. It is a good place to meet new people.'' Detective New Money smiled, more of his foolish zen. He said, ''You won't like where you're going. There's yelling and crying and a weird laugh that sounds like a cry.'' and there isn't any fruit. But you already know all of that. Roman shrugged. I prefer to eat meat. This was true. But I think I will take a piece of your fruit now. Did you bring me an apple? Maybe I learn the difference between good and evil. Officer New Money gave him a small orange. It peeled easy and pulled apart easy, too, like everything did. Officer New Money talked about eating sunshine, but it only tasted like an orange to Roman. Then Officer New Money asked a question about the dead woman at the beach with her dead junkie daughter, who owed money to a man Roman knew, because junkie always owed something, which was very boring, and nothing to do with Roman, and therefore Roman did not care. The pictures were nice, but not enough skin. But the blood was dark red. He smiled at the picture. The mother gives her daughter her heart. How sweet! Do you think it would make a good Valentine's Day card? But Detective New Money was already talking something about Zen, and Roman could not see what Rayburn saw in him. He decided that he was bored with this room now. When he ran his own circumcircle, he came back to the beginning. Fortunately, she arrived at the same point. Charlie Cruz restarted started Reese always started. She faced their wall. not that it was their their wall, it was a wall. Perhaps the wall thought that they were its detectives. They faced it so often, placed items of importance on it. Reese picked up Rose Lake's photo from the surveillance tapes and pinned it to not their wall. To Patty Lake's picture, Reese said, "'What do we have?' It was not a question. Reese made it an answer. She said, "'We've got two sisters. Patty asks for her cut of the inheritance early. Gets it. Splits. Spends it all in under two years. When Reese started, it was not poetry. She was not a space-woman poet. She was not a detective poet. She was Reese.' even if her father was Reese, too. Patty hits the bottom first and keeps going. She tapped the photo, and here's Rose. Keeps her nose clean, works hard. Then little sister Patty comes home and gets the fatted calf treatment. Rose seemed pissed to you? She did seem upset. Definitely not in the moment. Charlie pulled an orange out of his pocket. He held it out to Reese. Clementine? They're easy to peel and seedless. They're also known as Christmas oranges. Want one? It was from his orange grove. He was thinking of giving them for Christmas if he'd had anyone to give gifts to. Ted was already tired of them in boxes in the kitchen. Maybe he'd give Ted a basket of apples. Her look said that she did not want a clementine, but he decided that he'd send her a box of them later with a red bow. Everything was better with a red bow. Well, maybe not a lead pipe to the skull. Reese turned away from him, tapped her fingers against their wall, which, well, maybe it was their wall. They put their dead on it. That must make it theirs. She said, then Patty ends up full of tainted smack, Mom's heart in her hands. I've got to think it's the sister. She's got motive, and she's got opportunity. The sand castle was a sand cathedral. He looked at the photo of the sand cathedral with its high-pointed tower, the face emerging from the main sand building on there-there wall. Yes, Cruz, it was a sand cathedral. Her voice agreed with him. Her body said, get to the point. She wanted to be in the future, where he was somewhere. He stood in the now of not knowing what. He looked at the sand cathedral until she said, What do you see, Cruz? Like starting, she always said that. When she asked, he could frame an answer. In this now, he answered the only possible answer It's what I don't see. She gave him a pointed look that could puncture. I knew you were going to say that. He knew that she knew that he was going to say that. They did not finish each other's sentences, but she knew when he wasn't going to see something. A lot of love went into that cathedral. He looked at their, their wall. We need to talk to this docent, Sister Marion. The quadriplegic nun? She glared at him. Her whole self glared at him, except for the part that didn't. You think the quadriplegic nun killed two people, cut out one of their hearts, and then built a sandcastle? No. Her note came with an index finger. (sighs) Cathedral over one of them. She got in his face. Not Patty's dealer. She was close enough to breathe his air. It was their air now. Not the sister, who hated both their guts. She turned away from him to glare at their wall. You think it was the quadriplegic nun that killed them. That wasn't what he'd said. But he knew they were headed to the same place, when Reese crossed her arms there their wall. He said the only thing he had to say. A lot of love went into that cathedral. He knew what he didn't see. He knew that she didn't see it, too. Maybe not the same not-thing that he wasn't seeing. Maybe not the same not-thing that he wasn't seeing. Maybe a different angle of the same not thing, looking looking different from her direction. They were not the same. There was something missing, but they'd find it. What was important was that Reese had started. If Reese never started, they couldn't go forward to the truth. The Buddha said it was better to travel well than to arrive. But as long as Reese started, they were on their way.
1: ¶ I keep a close watch on this heart of mine ¶ I keep my eyes wide open all the time ¶ I keep the ends out for the pilot that binds. Because you're mine, I walk the line ¶